Springtime can feel like a small eternity unless you appreciate every day for the blessing it truly is. It's no secret that you'll find that on Weather Jazz. Now, here's Andre. Happy Friday, everybody. Oh, this is going to be an interesting weekend. Is it not? Get ready. Not necessarily the weekend, but uh, what will greet us here in the Ohio Valley and in the Northeast on Monday. Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything. Weather, science, earth science, and periodically some off-topic episodes, and we'll touch on one of those today, coming up in just a bit. I'm your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 282 for Friday, January 14th, 2021. And right off the bat, thank you, thank you, thank you, all of you that are Weather Jazz listeners. As of right now, we have over 62,000 downloads from Season 2 and growing. I suspect we might add a few thousand between now and Monday because of the storm heading up the East Coast. Right now, it's in the Midwest. It's in Iowa, but uh, already... We are anticipating this to be a real problem and a real headache for a lot of communities as we wake up on Monday morning. So as a result of that, be on the lookout for a special weekend edition of Weather Jazz that I may or may not release on Sunday, especially as we draw much closer to what could be a heavy snow event for a lot of cities up and down the East Coast, including cities as far west as Buffalo, Erie, Cleveland, Columbus, maybe even Cincinnati. Uh, again, the exact track is uh, still yet to be determined, but this sure looks interesting. I'll talk more about the specifics here in just a second, but let me finish my thought. Please, if you are a regular listener to Weather Jazz, It might be a good idea for those of you that listen to Weather Jazz via your favorite podcast, subscribe that way. If I do come up with a special weekend edition, and I would have to say that the the odds are in your favor that I will, just to keep you updated on this system and storm that's uh, heading up the East Coast, because it looks significant. Make sure that you do that. That way you won't miss it. It'll automatically download in your iPhone, in your iPad or smartphone or smart tablet. Again, that's going to be a special edition on Sunday, episode 283, if that occurs. So keep an eye out for that. Let's talk about the storm before we take a break and a look at our off-topic for today, which deals with old Christmas trees. But first, tracking that potential East Coast storm. 
It does appear as though this system will be something that we'll have to watch after sundown on Sunday. Now, most of Sunday in the Ohio Valley and up and down the East Coast will not have to worry about this system. But as soon as the sun goes down, this is going to start to climb up the Appalachian Ridge. Chances are it's going to hug the eastern slope of the Appalachians, and that may or may not have a lot to do with where the cutoff of the heavy snow is. Here's one of the issues that we're dealing with, and I've seen this time and time again, and that is a very strong, very dense, and very dry Arctic high-pressure system. This is the same kind of system that this weekend, in particular on Saturday, will drive temperatures into the teens for highs near 20 Cleveland. And nighttime lows on Saturday night will go into the single digits in a lot of uh, cases and in a lot of places. By the way, that's going to um, impact the Buffalo-New England football playoff game. And that's on Saturday night in Buffalo. And so we're looking at... uh, um, a a scene, an Arctic scene, not necessarily a snowy one. It won't be snowing then, but it's going to be cold. And you're going to see a lot of the fans dressed up like weebles so that you can't really see who they are. And really, that's what you have to do when it gets that cold. You dress not for comfort. You don't dress for fashion. You dress for warmth because you'll be kind of stationary for a three or four hour period, in some cases even longer if they do some tailgating. And I imagine that they will be doing that in Buffalo. So that same high pressure system will probably give the western edge or the western wall of where it is snowing and where it's not, or at least the heavy stuff, a pretty sharp cutoff. It's essentially going to cut it like a knife. And uh, that high-pressure system is really strong. So for those of you that live in Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, you're looking for heavy snow and want heavy snow, that may be your nemesis. It may prevent the heaviest snow from moving back too far to the west. But that will all be determined by the storm track itself. And over the course of the last several model runs, that we've been watching this for the last few days. It's been pulling it a little farther west. Now it seems to have stabilized. In this uh, trajectory, I would have to venture a quick guess that those of you right along the Pennsylvania-Ohio border will probably end up seeing the most snow when you wake up Monday morning and going into midday Monday before the system pulls away and the snow finally comes to an end. And if you're looking for a broader brush, where is it going to snow enough for me to put the shovel or put my hand to the shovel or put my hand to the the snowblower? That would probably be east of I-71. West of I-71, the chance goes down significantly and uh, with uh, just a few miles out to the west. In fact, west of I-71, there is a chance that you might not see much of anything beyond a a few flurries. So, again, sharp cutoff, a sharp delineation between where it snows and where it doesn't, where you're going to have to take your hand to the shovel or not. And a lot is dependent on that Arctic high-pressure system and the storm track 
Two things that we're going to be watching very closely this weekend. One more time, it is very likely that I am going to release episode 283 of Weather Jazz on Sunday, sometime uh, Sunday afternoon. So look for that right here on weatherjazz.com or your favorite podcast app. When we come back, we'll talk about Christmas trees, live Christmas trees, and what to do with those things when you're done with the holiday season. Okay, we're back with an interesting look at Christmas trees and what to do with those live Christmas trees, especially the ones that you cut and usually you put in some kind of bowl or dish with water to prevent the needles from dropping off prematurely. But I'm talking about those, not necessarily the ones that you ball up. And we'll get into that, too. That certainly is an option for those that want to buy a live tree. And then you can plant it outside. That's always a good idea. But the ones you cut, uh, certainly there is an element of sadness when you just toss that tree. It is essentially done with its life cycle. Or is it? I came across an interesting article in the Reykjavik Grapevine, it's an English print news media for Iceland. And it got my attention because the headlines read as follows. Old Christmas trees given to Icelandic goats and horses as a treat. And the article goes on to basically say that a lot of the rural areas outside of downtown Reykjavik, and uh, there really aren't a lot of people that live outside of the major metropolitan areas like Akureyri and Reykjavik, but in those more sparsely populated areas where there is a much larger farming community, a lot of sheep, a lot of goats, a lot of Icelandic horses, well, guess what? A lot of the Icelanders who happen to have the live cut Christmas trees in their homes for Christmas know what to do with those things afterwards. According to RUV, which is essentially one of the networks, uh, television networks in Iceland, they paid a visit to a farmer who receives numerous old Christmas trees from his neighbors, which he then gives to his goats. He says the goats that quickly devour the needles from the tree and then they actually gnaw the bark off of the tree. And it takes them just a few days to do that. But even more interesting is the fact that he says when the goats are outside and wandering, which is really most of the time, that they tend to leave the living trees. And there aren't too many of those in Iceland. It's a pretty barren place, unless, of course, you're very purposeful in planting trees. And there are certain areas of Iceland where that is the case. And there might be a few areas where trees are a bit more uh, part of the native landscape. But by and large, it's a rocky and ice-covered island. But um, wherever the trees are living by themselves, the goats tend to leave those trees alone. Now, they might eat the needles from those pine trees, but they really avoid eating the bark, and therefore the tree survives and it grows new needles. And by the way, horses, according to RUV, also are fond of the old Christmas trees, but as horse veterinarian Helga Gunnarsdottir 
and tells the local reporters that it's important not to let the horse have the trees unsupervised. And the reason is that uh, they need to be taken away from the horse before they get past the bark because uh, then the horses can get splinters in their mouths from gnawing too far into the tree, and that would certainly injure those horses. So as long as you supervise them and then grab the trees just as they're getting to the bark, then they're just fine. So that got me to thinking, what do we do as Americans with those trees? Now, I see a lot of them sitting out on the sides of the street, etc., and maybe they go to a landfill. Um, in some cases, though, a lot of communities collect those trees and mulch them. And they use them for mulch in and around the city. If the city has a landscaping program or a landscaping department. Now, I placed a question on our Fox 8 Weather Facebook page. And the question was, what do you do with your live Christmas tree after Christmas is over? Or do you have any good recycling ideas? And we had a couple of very interesting comments. Let me read you some of them. Bill says uh, that a good place for them is the African Safari Park for the animals every year. Jill says that her nephew takes them to Keelaman Point Farm at Cuyahoga Valley National Park to feed his goats. Now, that's similar to what they do in Iceland, Jill. Very, very interesting that that option does exist here in the USA. Natalie says, our community picks them up and chips them to make mulch for gardens around town. Good idea. One of our supporters, Rose Moore, says, when my boys were little, the only way I could talk them into taking the tree out of the house when it was time to let them decorate the tree with peanut butter and all over the pine cones, for instance, and then sometimes taking those pine cones and rubbing them into bird seed. So you get bird seed, you get peanut butter, and then you set the tree up outside within view of the window and where the bird feeders are so that they can watch the birds feed at their tree. Very good idea. Also more the same from Teresa. Teresa does the same thing. She puts hers in the backyard, propped up, but with birdseed and dried corn out for the wildlife. And also Nancy says that they put their trees out on the patio. And same thing, they decorate it with pine cones. And the pine cones are covered with peanut butter and rolled in birdseed. We also added a strand of white lights and red bulbs, she says. And it's for the birds, but the squirrels also seem to enjoy the treat once they find it. Well, in addition to placing that question on the Fox 8 Weather Facebook page, I also asked our listeners if they would call the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. And a few of you did. And here are some of the comments that came in. Hi, Andre. My name is Lisa, and I'm from Cleveland. And what I do with my uh, live tree when I take it down is I put it in the backyard near my bird feeder. What it does is it offers protection to songbirds that are feeding for my feeder so that the hawks don't get them. It's a wonderful idea because the tree trees don't have their leaves on them, and if you don't have a lot of 
uh, conifers around the tree will offer wonderful protection for songbirds to hide from hawks. Thank you. Yeah, Andre, this is uh, Jason from Parma. In regards to your weather jazz question that was on Fox 8 um, about what to do with your Christmas tree, uh, give it to like a homestead or a farm. Uh, I know uh, we're in Parma here, and um, a lot of people give their old Christmas trees to uh, Stearns Farm in Parma on Ridge Road. And the animals, you know, the goats, um, the, I don't know if the pigs do, but the goats do. So give it to one of your uh, homest- homestead farms or one of your farms locally in the uh, Geauga County area or Cuyahoga County. Thank you. Bye. Hello, it's Alice Hodevy, Medina, Ohio. Dick Goddard always said to put the tree, Christmas tree, in the backyard so birds could make nests in it. That's my suggestion. I think that was Dick Goddard's also. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Goodbye. Hi, this is Kathy Keeley from Streetsboro, Ohio. Um, you asked the other night, what what do I do with my live Christmas trees? Well, they're treats for goats. So if you call uh, Goat Farm, they can either come and get the tree or you can drop it off. And that's what they give the goats to eat. That's a little treat for them. Thank you very much. Bye. All great ideas, and thank you, everybody, for participating in that survey. That was a lot of fun, and perhaps it might even have given you some ideas if you are one of those families that likes to cut down a Christmas tree and bring it inside. And really, there's nothing like the aroma that you do get if you do that. But there are some ways to essentially recycle that Christmas tree as you're looking at the end of the season. So think about that next year, just in case you're Not one of the folks that does that, but you do like the idea. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Help me to spread the word, especially as we head into a potential snowstorm for some up and down the East Coast and as far back as the Eastern Ohio Valley. One more time, I will be planning on releasing a special weekend edition, episode number 283, this weekend on Sunday afternoon to give you the very, very latest data on the system as we refine that system and the forecast. And we're going to be able to add some numbers to that that we simply can't do right now. We have to really keep it in broad brush terms like plowable snow, crippling snow, or nuisance snow, or no snow. Essentially, the four categories without actually putting some numbers on there. So look for that on Sunday. Make sure you tell everybody. Go to weatherjazz.com. Go to andrebernier.com. By the way, that's another great resource. I've been really keeping that very, very well maintained with the freshest weather data, sometimes with some interesting articles, but a lot of weather, certainly. If you're looking for good weather data in between weather segments, I do keep that site updated so again andrebernier.com i'll provide a link via weatherjazz.com for those of you who live outside the cleveland television market don't know how to spell my name that's okay just go to weatherjazz.com i'm going to put a link there and you can always visit andrebernier.com if you're looking for extra weather data in particular that focuses in on the northeast and the ohio valley states well i love fridays Friday. Why? Because I get to brag on you, my supporters. You're the ones that keep me going. And I really, really do appreciate everything that you do in coming alongside me. 
So here we go. Here's that list, which, by the way, you can get on weatherjazz.com by clicking on the supporters tab. And they are Andrea Rich from Tennessee, Bill Martin in Florida, Rose Moore. We heard from her in the questionnaire that I had about pine trees. She lives in Ohio. Christine Barnes, Ohio. Will Antonio Krause and family in Ohio. And Dale Osborne, also in Ohio. A wonderful brother in the Lord. And from Vermont, Kian Galunas and Victoria Singer as well. Let me add your name to that list, won't you? Becoming a supporter is very easy, and it really partners alongside me, and it makes a lot of the extra things that I do on Weather Jazz possible, like the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. That's not free, you know, and so your Coming alongside and partnering me allows me to open this up to all of our listeners so that you can participate just like they did today. So do that by clicking on the supporters tab at the very, very top of weatherjazz.com. If you have a question or a topic suggestion, well, certainly I'm waiting for your email or your call. And you can easily reach me in both places. Weatherjazz at yahoo.com is my email address. Also now via voicemail at the Weatherjazz podcast audience connect line 234-525-5888. 234-525-5888. And if you're in a spot where you can't transcribe that, I always say, don't worry about it. Just go to weatherjazz.com. And click on the Contacts tab at the top whenever you can get to a computer. All that information is going to be right at your fingertips. Okay, remember, Sunday is coming. Episode 283, Very unless this turns out to be a dud, which I doubt very seriously, I will be releasing episode 283 on Sunday afternoon. Spread the word, folks. This is going to be a fun system to watch no matter how much snow you end up with, because there will be backyards that go well over a foot. It might be yours. Well, let's find out. Join me on Sunday right here on Weather Jazz. See you then. Weather and science across the globe. The Weather Jazz Podcast.